0: continuing in our seven series this morning, and we 've got to part number three we 've already discussed uh, about the need for a rest day in the week, and that God made seven days and uh and he only needed six to create the world, but he created a seventh day for us to rest and recharge and revitalize. And then last week we discovered just how sometimes in our waiting for God to fulfill what, what we believe he has for our lives, or us waiting for the dreams that we have, that sometimes you have to go through a, the nightmare before the dream can be fulfilled. And last week we talked about Jacob and, uh, and his nightmare of waiting for his love to be Rachel. Well, today... We're continuing this seven series, and the title of what we're going to talk about today is called Seven Cows. Seven Cows, kind of a little weird uh, 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 title, but, uh, but this week, as I've been watching the news, it's funny, over the last couple of weeks, I've watched the news more. Then I have, say, in the last you know two years, apart from the election, because that was like almost like mind-numbing but engrossing as well. Uh, but uh, I- I've just been watching the news and just seeing all these natural disasters. And the news this week came that Mexico had a- another earthquake and. Just the, the, the reports and the stories that came out of Mexico were just horrifying, and there was this school that collapsed in the earthquake, and there's all these kids who were crushed and died, and um, it was just horrific and just heartbreaking to see. And they've had two earthquakes in the last this month that have been just devastating, where many have lost their lives. And then you saw just another hurricane come through the Caribbean this week, and uh, saw Puerto Rico. The whole island of Puerto Rico had no power. I mean, can you believe that? The whole island had no power. And then uh, we saw how the, uh, this Hurricane Maria went through the island, the little Caribbean island of Dominica. And this is what the Prime Minister of Dominica said uh, after the hurricane came through. He says, The damage and the devastation is so bad that money will never be able to replace what we have lost. Just you see all these things, and this week you see the, the heights of possibly us going to war with North Korea, which I don't even want to think about because that is kind of scary. Because there are a lot of loose cannons over there, and sometimes we're a little loose cannon as well. But but they are crazy, and then even like uh, uh, Iran this, this week started launching missiles in in protest to some of our policies here in the United States. It's scary. There are scary times coming up. And and so then you you look back over this last month and we had Hurricane Harvey and then we had Hurricane Irma. and, uh, and, and, And for those of you who don't really watch the news or don't know anything about our government agencies, the people who go in and help in those devastation circumstances is an organization called FEMA. And FEMA are broke. And so they basically got hardly any money. So the government this week had to, or or over the last month, have had to decide to take on more debt in order to to, to help people who are in devastated areas. And so if we got a couple more hurricanes or disasters or earthquakes or or wildfires come through, then we just don't have enough money to help people out. And it, it is scary. And we are hearing from many scientists that that this kind of natural disaster stuff is the new norm. Like there's a lot of talk about global warming going on uh, in the world. And I even heard this week that, that in, in 20 years time, that there, there could be lots of like category six hurricanes. Like they don't even have a category six hurricane right now, but there could be category six hurricanes where wind sustained at over 200 miles an hour. I mean, that's a scary thought. And we live in a world that is scary. Uh, I was speaking to someone this week that I know, and they, they had no idea what was going on. And they were like, well, I just don't watch the news because it just makes me sad. And I was like, yeah, it makes you sad, but you can't put your head under a rock and hope that, you know, life will just go on as normal because this is the new norm. We live in a world where things just seem to be getting worse and worse. But this is the good news, or this is the encouraging news for us. Thousands of years ago, this was foretold, that a time would come where there would be disasters and earthquakes, that there would be wars and rumors of wars, that people's faith would leave them for fear. And so we're living in a time where you can obviously stuff like this is happening. And maybe it's happened in the past, but with, 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 with media and with social media and just the communication we have in the world now, we get to hear a lot more about it. And in week seven of this series, we're actually going to be dealing a little bit more in depth with, with some of this stuff. And we're, we're going to be actually looking at the book of Revelation and the seven of Revelation. And it is fascinating. And also scary as well, uh, but we're going to look at that. But for th- the purposes of what we're going to talk about today, what happened this week in these natural disasters or this month it, it is a great example of what we need to do, not only just as believers but as human beings. Uh, and and it's a great example of somebody that we're going to study in the Bible today. Now, last week we talked about a guy called Jacob. Jacob had received a dream from God, a promise from God that he would be prosperous and that his descendants would, would fill the earth as be as much as the dust of the earth. Uh, and Jacob started to see his promise fulfilled and the dream fulfilled. And one of the children that he had, one of his children that he had in his old age, was a, was a boy that became a man called Joseph. And we're going to look at Joseph today, and we're going to look at uh, what the Bible has to say at some of the things of Joseph. Now, just to let you know, to cut a long, long, long story short, Jacob—so uh, Joseph had been through a lot in his life. He, he had grown up, he had been his father's favorite, but then his brothers despised him. Despite him so much that they decided to, to, to take him away and sell him into slavery. He was then taken into slavery to Egypt where he went to work in, in, in the house of, of, of the commander of, of, of the Pharaoh's guards. And he started to do very well. Then the commander of the guards, his wife, came and made advances to Joseph, which Joseph says... No thank you ma'am. And so she decided to 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 then assault his character and his integrity so much so that then nobody believed Joseph so he was thrown in prison then he got into prison and he met two guys a baker and a king's cupbearer and they both were, were there in prison because they had they had upset the pharaoh and then they had some dreams. And in those dreams They didn't understand what the dreams were all about and they told Joseph and Joseph started to interpret the dreams and the one would be that the baker would die and the cupbearer would be restored to his place as cupbearer to Pharaoh and it happened exactly as Joseph had commanded and Joseph said when you go before Pharaoh do not forget me but The cupbearer forgot Joseph. And so Joseph had been burnt. He had been through a lot in his life. And for the next two years, he rotted away in an Egyptian prison. This was not the life that Joseph had planned. Not the life Joseph could have ever imagined when he was growing up on his daddy's little farm. He always had done the right thing. But he ended up being dealt the wrong hand. And this is what we'll see sometimes in life. You can do the right thing. You can pray every day. You can read your Bible every day. You can come to church on Sundays. You can volunteer. You can join a small group. You you can be the best father or mother to your children. You can be an incredible co-worker or an employee or an employer. You you can be the best husband or wife like this world could ever imagine, like if you're a husband, you could bring flowers to your wife's every single day. If you are a wife, whatever your husband likes, maybe he likes a clean house, and you would just clean the house for him, and he wouldn't have to lift a finger. That would be a perfect, perfect marriage, by the way, and uh, I would love that, but you can do all these things, but it doesn't mean that you're going to end up with the right hand in the end, just because we do the right thing does not automatically mean we are always blessed for doing so. And sometimes well, we can go through life and we think, well, if I just do this and do this and do the right thing, then I'm going to be blessed. And then we suddenly start questioning life, what's going on? I'm doing all the right things, but I'm not blessed in this life. Well, the, the, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that it rains on the just and the unjust. And sometimes the blessings of this life do not go in accordance with the lifestyles that we always live. But this is what I know about Joseph. Joseph in his life, he got to a point where he was sitting in a prison cell and he was not blessed. Nobody would call Joseph blessed. But he was in the perfect place for God to fulfill his plan for his life. And you may do all the right things, and you may not automatically be blessed for doing them. But this is what I know. If you do the right thing, then you will be in the perfect place for God to fulfill his plan in your life. And so we're going to pick up this story in Genesis chapter 41. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 41. Pharaoh, who was the king, the leader of Egypt, he was the ruler of Egypt, He woke up one morning and he was disturbed for he had had a couple of dreams. His dreams were one of those dreams when you wake up in the morning, you think, whoa, what was that? Last night, my son woke up like three times in the night crying. have no idea why. Every time I heard him cry, I woke up. And immediately I thought, whoa, what was that dream I was just dreaming? You know, when you wake up suddenly in the middle of the night and it's like you cut short a dream and you're like, what was that? But I really wish I knew the ending to it. It was kind of like that. Well, this was happened for for Pharaoh. Pharaoh woke up and suddenly he had these dreams and he was like, whoa, they were kind of random and weird. What do they mean? And so Pharaoh knew that they must mean something. So he called all his wise men. And then he called all these magicians and, and, and he called all the people who, who kind of dealt with like the, 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 the spiritualness of this world. And he, and he told them the dream and none of them could remember or, or could interpret the dream. Nobody knew what it meant. They were like, we're stumped. We have no idea. And then the king's cupbearer, remember the guy who was in prison, who Joseph uh, had interpreted his dream that he would be restored, heard what was happening with with Pharaoh. And suddenly he remembered Joseph. Two years later, he remembered Joseph. And he says, Pharaoh, he goes, I'm going to throw this one out there. But there's a guy, there's a kid in prison, you know, he's in his 20s. And He interpreted a dream for the royal baker and myself two years ago. And he said that the baker would die and I would be restored to to, to my position. And it happened exactly as uh, as he said. So the Pharaoh says, well, bring him here. Let's see. So they went and got Joseph and uh, they cleaned him up and they gave him a shave and they put new clothes on him. And he goes right before Pharaoh. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. Genesis 41 verse 14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means And set you at ease. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. In my dream he said. I was standing on the bank of the Nile River. And I saw seven fat healthy cows come up from the river. And began grazing in the marsh grass. But then I saw seven sick looking cows. Scrawny and thin. Come up after them. I've never seen such a sorry looking or I've never seen such sorry-looking animals in all the land of Egypt. These scrawny cows ate the seven fat cows, but afterwards you would not have known it, for they were still as thin and scrawny as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, But these were blighted, shriveled, and withered by the east wing. And the shriveled heads swallowed the seven healthy heads. I told these dreams to the magicians, but no one could tell me what they mean. See what I mean about these dreams? Like you wake up and you're like, whoa, what was that? That was something strange about that dream, and I, and I don't think it was so strange that he saw seven fat cows and seven thin cows or seven uh, grains of he- or seven heads of healthy grain and seven heads of of blighted shrivelled up grain. It was a fact that the thin ate the fat, and they didn't change in their appearance at all. That would be kind of like weird and creepy and strange, and so Pharaoh has this dream and he is sure there must be something to it. Have you ever had one of those moments in life where you had something happen, you either dreamed something or you thought about something or you saw something and you knew there must be more behind this. There must be a meaning to this. Well, this is what happened to Pharaoh. Well, God had gifted Joseph with the ability to interpret dreams. And now Joseph, remember, Joseph has been through so much in his life. He is sitting in a prison cell. He's probably licking his wounds thinking, what did I ever deserve to be in this prison cell? Now he is primed in the perfect position to deliver an interpretation to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Let's continue reading. Genesis 41 verse 25. says, Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin, scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it. For God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterwards, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. So Joseph comes along, interprets the dreams, and he basically says, "Look, Pharaoh, there's going to be seven years where you're going to be blessed. There's going to be prosperity. That the economy is going to boom. Everybody is going to do so well. There's going to be no unemployment. That healthcare will be sorted out. Praise that would be wonderful, right? And and everything is going to be wonderful. The kids are going to be excited. Your your favorite sport teams is going to win. Everything is going to go well for you, for seven years." And then seven years after that, famine is going to strike. And the famine is going to be so severe. It's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before. You will even forget all the good years because of how bad this famine is going to be. The economy is going to tank out. It's going to bottom out. There's going to be high unemployment. People will not even have enough to eat. Seven years of good, seven years of bad. And in this interpretation, I can see four things I just quickly want to share with you that shows us about God and who God is. And and sometimes we need to understand about God in, in looking at our theology of God. And in this interpretation of the dream that Joseph gave to Egypt, we see this, that God gives us signs and warnings of what is to come. God gives us signs and warnings of what is to come. God isn't just sitting on a star somewhere, just watching us and thinking, well, they don't know what's coming to them. God is someone who wants to communicate with you about what is to come. He will not tell you everything. He will not tell you all the details. But God will warn you with signs and warnings of what is to come. Now, Pharaoh was a man who received a sign from God. Pharaoh was not even a God-fearing man. In fact, Pharaoh served other gods. Pharaoh himself thought he was a god. But yet God still communicated with this man who was as far away from God as you can imagine. For God is ready to communicate with you. And God wants to share with you things that maybe are to come. The last third of the Old Testament are books written about God communicating with his people through his prophets, through people who have a message from God and communicate. God is in the communication business. Never think that God is just silent and off somewhere and has forgotten about you because God is wanting to communicate with you. And as you read the Bible, you will see it is full of signs and warnings of things that are to come in our lives. But yet, if God is in the communication business, then we need to make sure that we stop, we quiet ourselves, and we hear. I hear all the time people say, I've never heard God speak, or I've never heard God say anything to me. And half the reason is because we just don't stop enough to quiet ourselves to actually hear the still, small voice of God. For Pharaoh, God did it in a dream when he was sleeping. But God will give us signs and warnings of what is to come. We also see from this interpretation of this dream that God has different ways to communicate the same thing. God has different ways to communicate the same thing. I think so often we can just pass off when God speaks, thinking it as nothing or just weird random thoughts. But God is persistent and when he has a message that he wants heard, he will get creative to make sure that you hear that message. God gave Pharaoh two different types of dreams with the same meanings. Because God has different ways to communicate the same thing. Now, I often wonder, well, why didn't God just say outright in his dream to Pharaoh, there are going to be seven years of good times, seven years of famine. Why did he use like this weird, peculiar dream in order to communicate his message? And this is what, what I think. Pharaoh was in a situation where he was so far away from God. And Pharaoh suddenly has this dream and now he is searching for answers. And now his heart is being opened. Notice he went to his magicians and then he went to all these other people and they couldn't help him. Eventually he opened his hearts up to hearing from Joseph. And sometimes God will not always be clear with you. And sometimes God will leave you searching for answers. Because when you're searching for answers, suddenly your heart is opened. And this is what happened with Pharaoh. His heart was opened up. And when hearts are opened, they're opened by searching for answers. Also, this dream was as much about positioning Joseph to a place of prominence in Egypt as it was about saving Egypt. Sometimes God will use other people to fulfill the plan that he has for your life. God has different ways to communicate the same thing. We see also God's, through this dream, God's plans do not always make sense. God's plans do not always make sense. Notice what Joseph says. You had two different dreams or two similar dreams. He says, it means that these events have been decreed by God. Think about that at the moment. They've been decreed by God. What do you mean to be decreed? That God has proclaimed them. God has initiated them. He didn't say that that God has just allowed them, but God has decreed them. Think about that for the moment. That kind of blows my theology away. God is going to allow famine and starvation and lack God is going to allow a nation to go through famine. Not just allow, but God has ordered it. God has decreed it. To me, I'm thinking that is not very godlike. God is a loving God. God, God wants the best for people, not the worst. And sometimes I read things in the Bible and and my human mind does not comprehend it, does not always understand it. How could God allow that to happen? But this is what I know. God's ways are not our ways. And God will sometimes move mountains to see through his plans. And sometimes it means he has to tear down before he can build back up. See, God had a plan. And the plan ultimately was for Joseph's father, Jacob, To be the father of a nation called Israel. And this nation of Israel would fill the earth. The descendants would be as much as the dust of the earth. But God had to do something in Jacob's life. And what happened is Jacob's life was doing very well. He was was happy. His business was going well. He lived on uh, on some land that was producing a lot of crops. And Jacob didn't want to move. Jacob's life was going well. He was doing good. He, He had his mojo. And he was like, uh, we're not leaving here. We're staying in this area because life is good for us right here. But sometimes God will allow us to go through situations and bad situations at that in order for us to get out of our comfortable place so that we can get up and start moving where God wants us to go. And this is what happened for Jacob See, this this dream was all about God's plan for humanity. And God needed Jacob in Israel. And further down the road, you will see that Jacob moves from his land to Egypt because the famine is so severe. It just shows us that because you may be going through a tough season in your life, you may be even going through a famine season in your life. It does not mean that God has left you. God may have even decreed it. So that his plans and his purposes for your life will come to fruition. And finally on this dream, this is what we see. God has given us wisdom, so let's use it. God's given us wisdom, so let's use it. Joseph tells Pharaoh to save one-fifth of the crops for the good years. So for seven years, what I want you to do, I want you to tax an extra 20% on top of the people. They're to give you 20% of their income, of their grain, of their crops, and you are to save it for the bad years. Now think about this for a moment. Imagine if our government come out and say, you know what, we're worried that there are more hurricanes coming. Or we're worried that there are more earthquakes coming. Or we're worried that we're going to go to war with North Korea and we will not have enough in our military to be able to go to war. So this is what we're going to do. We're thinking it may happen. It may happen next year. It may happen in seven years' time. This is what we're going to do. We're going to tax you all an extra 20%. So that 20%, 25% that you pay in tax, or if you're a high roller, then that 30 you know, 40% you pay in tax, add another 20% onto that and see how you feel. Let me tell you, it would never pass Congress. There would be riots in the streets if the government wanted an extra 20% from us. But this is what happened. And this is what Joseph said. He said, take 20% extra of what all comes in and store it for the bad years. And what Joseph shows us here, that just because we serve God, and we may discern the voice of God, and we may follow God, It doesn't mean that we stop using our brains. My in-laws, when Hurricane Irma came through, they live in the Tampa Bay area. They're old, they're fragile, they don't drive, and they wanted to stay in their own house. And we kept saying to them, no, you go to family's house. My brother-in-law just lives down the road. Go with family, stay with family. They're like, no, we want to stay in our house. And this is what my father-in-law says. He's older. He's had a couple of strokes. And so I don't always think he's always kind of 100% there in his thinking and his rationale. And then he says, don't worry. God will take care of us. Eventually, they left and they went. Now, their home was fine in the end, but it could have been bad. But this is what I know. God has given us a weather forecast. There were 120 mile an hour winds possibly coming and hitting their home. Yet yeah, God may have protected them, but their roof could have come off their house. And God has given us brains and wisdom to use. So now, let's not be crazy about it and just say, just because we have faith, we're going to now go and walk on fire. God has given us brains to use. And Joseph could have said, you know what? That's fine. I believe in God. I will be fine. But he says, no, we need to prepare for the worst. And so Joseph tells Pharaoh that the people are going to have to make wise, diligent choices in the good years. And so Pharaoh says, well, we need to appoint a wise man to, in order to, 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 to take on this project, to, to gather all this income. And he says, Joseph, you may be young, you're 30 years old, but, but there is no wiser man than you. So I'm going to promote you to become the prime minister of Egypt. One moment he's in prison. Next minute he's the prime minister of Egypt. Let's carry on reading. Verse Genesis 41, verse 47, it says this says, as predicted, for seven years, the land produced bumper crops. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the cities. He piled up huge amounts of grain like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was so much to measure. They were in a boom economy. Everybody had more than enough and they had gathered for the lean years in the good years and now there was so much they couldn't even count. There is something about a boom economy that gets people excited. Realtors are overworked and let me tell you if you're a realtor, you like to be overworked. Stockbrokers are making a boatload of money. People are buying new houses. People are buying new cars. You feel safe in your job. You're taking your family on vacation. Now, where you used to go to Ocean City, maybe for a couple of days, now you're going to the Bahamas for two weeks and you are enjoying life. You are enjoying this boom economy. Things are going well for you. But this is what I notice. In a boom economy... People do not think about the worst or what might happen. Nobody wants to think about, okay, if recession is going on down the roads. I wonder what the outcry would be if we suddenly got taxed an extra 20% tomorrow because of what may happen in the future. But this is what I know. The wise understand that it is in the boom. You have to prepare yourself for the bust. The wise understand that it is in the boom. You have to prepare yourself for the bust. 2008 caught so many people by surprise when the economy just went downhill. People lost their jobs. People didn't have enough money. People went into foreclosure. People just couldn't afford what they used to afford. But the reality is, is we should have never been shocked by that because history would have told us that the boom always busts, and the bust economy will come. We should have been ready for it, but we weren't, because we were enjoying the boom so much, we didn't think about when the bust was going to come. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8 tells us this. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. I love how he says, you lazy bones, like everybody's lazy, but Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. So what they are saying here is that the ant, in the boom economy, which for an ant is summer, they are working hard to gather for their bust economy, which is the winter. And the writer of Proverbs here is saying, take a lesson from the ants. This is what we should be doing. When times are good, we should be making sacrifices so that when the time that the bad times come, we will not starve to death. We will not be be hurting, but we will be ready. Let me tell you, it is hard to prepare for the storm when the skies are clear, but it is the best time to prepare. Because when the storm clouds start rolling in, it's a little too late. Jesus gave a parable in the Bible of the wise builder and the foolish builder. The foolish builder built his ha- house on the sand and the wise builder built his house on the rock. And let me tell you about this story. The, wise, but the foolish builder who built his house on the sand, I guarantee he finished his house a lot quicker than the wise builder. Well, he had finished his house and he was having his parties and he was laying back on his, on his sun lounger and, uh, and laying by his pool and, and looking up at the wise builder who had just barely finished his foundation. And he's like, I'm enjoying myself. But the wise builder understood, I have to make the sacrifices now because later there could be a storm that comes that knocks me off my feet. And that is what happens. The storm surge came in, the winds blew, and the house on the sand, it went flat. It got taken away like a cat five hurricane. But the house on the rock stood still. And here Jesus is saying that we have to be wise in what we do in life. And this is many of us right now. Times are good. The foreclosures are almost behind us. The bills are being paid. We're feeling a little bit more safe in our jobs. We've got a little bit more money. We can go on a little bit more vacations. Maybe we can buy some new cars. Maybe we can look at some nicer houses. Because the boom economy is here again. I mean, it may not be as good as it was in 2005, but it's here But it's in this time we have to prepare because there will be a bust that will come. The storm will come. And the wise know that. The wise are always ready for the storm. So as we finish up this story with Joseph, Genesis 41 verse 53 says, At last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries, but throughout Egypt there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the saw and distributed grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was so severe throughout the land of Egypt. And the people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was so severe throughout the world. Let me tell you, in July, nobody in Houston thought their houses would be underwater. At the beginning of August, nobody in the islands of B- Barbuda or in St. John's or St. Martin's or in the city of Naples thought their roof would be taken off their house. Let me tell you, no, nobody in August in Mexico thought that their kids would die in an earthquake because the building that they went to school in collapsed. And that over 300 other people in that nation would die as well. Let me tell you, nobody in Puerto Rico a couple of weeks ago thought that the whole island would be without power. But yet they happened. See, this is what I, 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 I know. And we don't want to be negative. We always want to look at the best and hope for the best. But the reality is this. The Bible will tell us that disaster will strike where and when we do not know, but disaster will strike. And Joseph was ready. The people of Egypt were ready. Yes, they had to make sacrifices through the good times, but at least they wouldn't be destroyed in the bad times. And so I want to leave you with four questions that I want you to ask yourself today. And these are the four questions. So when famine hits your finances, are you ready? When famine hits your marriage relationship, Are you ready? When famine hits your kids' values, are you ready? And when famine hits your faith, are you ready? Because this is what I know right now. I know a storm is gathering over my finances. I can't see it. I can't feel it. My bank balance, well, sometimes it says it is. But most of the time, that check comes in every other week, once a month. Takes care of my finances. But this is what I know. God has given us wisdom and that wisdom tells me a storm is coming over my finances. Dave Ramsey will say this, that there will be a day when Murphy moves in next door to you, him and his family. And when he comes, you better have an emergency fund ready. And some of you... In your finances, maybe you're spending and spending and spending and spending. And the wise will say, okay, while times are good, make sure you're preparing for when times are bad. There's a storm coming over your finances. This is what I know right now. A storm is starting to circle around my marriage. I don't see it. I don't feel it. In fact, things feel pretty good right now in my marriage. But logical wisdom tells me that no matter how good your marriage is, there will come a period in your life when times are rocky. And when those times come, are you ready? What are you doing in your marriage right now to invest so that when the rocky time comes, that storm will not knock your marriage off its feet? This is what I know right now there is a storm. That is circling around my child. In fact, I think it's more like a hurricane. See, right now, he loves his mommy and daddy. Right now, most of the time, he does what we say. He's very impressionable right now. But this is what I know. That there is a hurricane that is coming. And maybe it's the hurricane of a false theology That I see in this world that is sucking the life out of millennials right now. Saying you can do whatever you want. The Bible is just a guide, kind of, but not truth. And I see it sucking the life out of millennials. And maybe that hurricane is circling around my child right now. Maybe it's the hurricane of a church culture where sports and getting a college scholarship is way more important than keeping the, the Sabbath holy or, or, or keeping together in a community of believers and growing in our faith. Maybe it's the hurricane of searching for his identity where this world says, this is who you are, instead of looking to God and saying, God, who am I? This is what I know a hurricane is circling around my child that is wanting to take my child's faith. But this is what I know right now while things are good. This is the time I need to import. I need to pour those values into him. I need to show him that there is a God who loves him. And he needs to hear the stories how God has been faithful to his parents. How God is the one true God. The Bible is the inherent word of God and it is the only truth in this world that we can rely on. This is what I know right now, that the wind from the storm is coming, that has the ability to knock my faith off balance. And while everything seems good with my faith right now, and I believe in God, and I have faith in God, and I love God, and I want to worship God, there's a day that's coming, a storm that's coming, something that's coming. I don't know what it is, but it's coming, and it's going to knock my faith so much. Am I ready? This week in our small group, somebody shared in our small group of something that happened many years ago and in their lives. And we were like, wow, how many people would lose their faith if that happened in their lives? But this person kept their faith and it was a wonderful testimony. But there's something that to happen in your life one day or, or another. It's going to knock your faith so much and you're going to question God. What right now are you doing to cultivate that relationship with God? So when the storm comes, you know God is right there, right beside you. See, I know right now why things are good. It's a sacrifice. I know that you can't live like everybody else. That are riding the waves of the boom economy or the good times. But in the long run, it's going to be worth it. For the famine will not starve you. The storm surge will not flood you. The winds will not blow you away. And the earthquakes will not rock you. For like Joseph, you will be ready. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 19, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them. And where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy And thieves do not break in and steal. Make sure, like Joseph, you be wise in the good, so you are ready for the bad. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Just very quickly this morning, time has gone. But I just very quickly want to pray for you. There's some of you here this morning. And this message of Joseph just hits home to you. Because you know in your life right now, if a storm hits, whether it's in your finances or in your marriage or in your kids' lives or even in your faith, you know if a storm hits, you're just not ready. You know it will just devastate you. It may break up your marriage, it may break your heart with your kids. It may cause you to be broke financially, where you may even have to lose a house or possessions. Or if the storm hits, you know that your faith cannot withstand. And so, this morning, if that's you, I want to pray for you and I want to pray that God will give you wisdom right now. Just like the wise builder trumped the foolish builder. That this morning we will be wise builders, wise builders of our finances, wise builders of our marriages, wise builders in raising our kids and wise builders in our faith and our journey of faith with the Lord this morning. And so we're going to pray this morning that God will help you understand how to create margin in your budget to prepare for the worst. How to invest in your marriage That when the worst hits, you'll be fine. How to raise your kids and show them the values of life. That they will not be shaken. And we're going to pray this morning that you will understand how to cultivate a close relationship with Jesus. So your faith will never be rocked this morning. So if that's you this morning, just pray along. with.